I'm Alice Arnold. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to the wonderful actress, Tracy Ann Aberman. But if you're listening with young children, well, you might want to be warned, there is a tiny little, tiny little sweary thing quite near the end. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. I'm in a different des- dressing room today. I seem, to be, I seem to live in people's dressing rooms. I'm on a rather comfy bed with Tracy Ann Oberman. Hello. Uh, which is very exciting. Now, I'm going to gush for a bit because I just... Tracy Ann Oberman, probably to the general public, may be best known for being in EastEnders. For Doctor Who, oh, well, that sort of thing. That sort of thing, the big telly things. But I've seen you in lots of theatre things. And you are the most incredible actress because every time you do a role, you surprise me and thrill me. And every time you come on stage, it lifts the whole production, whatever production it is. You oh. just lift it, and I go, "Oh, great! Oh. Tracy Ann's coming on now." That and is, I, that's I um, honestly, I mean that. that you is, are, that means so much. You just you find a character, and sometimes they're big characters, and you've made me laugh, and you've made me cry, and and everything in between. But you make a choice, and it's so brave and courageous the choices that you make but they're always incredibly truthful thank you thank you so there we go i've My summed God. up what i think well, about your that, and i have to say yeah. over the years when we have done our radio you know we've done a lot of radio four acting together and you are exquisite and brilliant as well, well so i don't i don't I'm do that back anymore well, you, but do you 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 love doing radio still love don't it you? it's an absolute it's a passion i love it so much yeah and i write for radio and you know i write a lot of radio plays as well i know multi-talented I, yeah i love it i will i'm always very happy to go and do radio you do everything well let's go back to the to the beginning mm-hmm. now i did read that your parents weren't all that happy when you decided to be an actress because they want to be a lawyer they yeah to, yes. law, absolutely. well anything i think yeah. but an actress right because yeah. they it, it's such an insecure profession it was like saying that you wanted to be an astronaut you know it's like we'd never met one and yeah. how did one <laughs> become one so there was nothing in your family no actually drama no, in your weirdly family on my or... dad's side there there is i'm you know I'm, claudia winkleman is my cousin okay and her side of the family, that was on my, da- on my dad's yeah. side, her side of the family were all artists and, um, and writers. And so, but from my mum and dad's sort of perspective, no, there wasn't any actors. And who made a living from acting? And what was, you know, how could you live? Yeah. I think my dad's words were, you're going to end up living in a bedsit for the rest of your life with a cat. Yeah. So every day I'm not living with just a cat in a bedsit. I feel I'm winning. Did they make you do a typing course or something as a backup? No, I mine had to do a degree. Did. No, did you? Did oh, well, you I did a degree oh. and a typing ah. course. I now had to do extra things as well in order to let me go right. to drama school. I had to do I had to do the typing. No, I had as to do well. the degree and then yeah. I because it's year. something to fall back on. What oh. was your degree in? Well, I started doing classics and then I yeah. went and did drama and literature. That was really useful horror. to fall really. back on, wasn't right. it? I found my politics degree like that. Yeah. Such a useful thing <laughs> to just fall back just on fall that back degree on yeah, but luckily the day after I left drama school I got a job I got an advert I got a voiceover first of oh, all wow. who, who knew what that was I went <laughs> up for an advert the day after I left and I got this voiceover for After Eights with Simon Goodell <laughs> After Eight it is the after dinnerment after all and that sort of kept me in shillings for uh, uh, yeah, least, and then did. I got an, an, another advert a visual advert so that was good and then the day after that I got a job with the RSC so I went to the RSC for four years so I remember thinking oh well 
you know, I remember ringing my dad going, I don't have to do the typing course yet, do I? Yeah. And he was like, well, well, keep going. That's a pretty good start. <laughs> it was a pretty bad. good start. Yes. Um, and then you continued, obviously, um, with lots and lots of theatre work and, and radio work. Yes. Then came EastEnders. Well, I'd done a lot of telly, actually, before yeah. EastEnders. A lot of telly. I did, the, the main thing for me was I'd done a lot of theatre. I did the RSC. I did a lot of rep theatre. And then I went on the radio rep. Start um, because I'd done a play by a man called Bernard Copps and filled in one day for somebody who dropped out and after that they asked me on and that was great and then because I was on the radio rep I did a lot of comedy and because I was doing a lot of comedy I ended up doing a lot of sitcoms on TV and then ended up doing quite a bit of telly mm. for years and then had gone back to the national and all sorts of things and then suddenly the EastEnders moment happened and how did that change fame for you because I mean you were known in the profession before that that there is a difference with fame in soap that is kind of stratospheric absolutely it was a life changer because I was a really good jobbing actress you know I was never out of work I was always working and I was you know I was always either doing a TV or a radio or or theatre there was always something going on and then I I did this play at the National with uh, this with Ken Branner called Edmund by Mammoth, and that was the first game changer because it was only just under ninety minutes long without an interval. I think it might have been just an hour. Everyone came to see it in the entire world. Mammoth, De Niro, all these Americans. It was sold out. It was absolutely a smash hit. There were twenty three people. We only each of us had like one. I think I had two scenes, and Nicholas Stevens, Nicola Walker, Nicky Walker was in it, yeah. and. I mean, it was just brilliant, great cast. And on the back of that, suddenly, I did really well in that. And I was getting lots of meetings. And then I got asked to come into EastEnders. And I was the only name that I hadn't heard of on that list. And within nine days, I was cast as Dirty Den's wife and hit the ground running and had signed this long three-year contract, thinking, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And four months after that, I, having worked in the industry for 11, 12 years solidly, I was up for Best Newcomer at the <laughs> National Television Awards. Um, but what was interesting was just, at the time, people were quite sniffy about soaps. And, we're, well, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you going into that? You know, you've just done all this, you do so, you know, so much comedy and drama and you've been in the National and you've got, you know, doing all these things. Um, but I, I thought that that character was great and it, she, she had developed because so many producers changed while I was in it and I was only in it for 18 months. Alice. Yeah, I know. And, but what's amazing is what you've managed to do since then because I think, I think that's why people are funny about soaps because they think once you're in it, how do you get out of it? How, yes. do, you, how do you progress your career after that? Yes. Because you become known for that. And, well, for you, you just fell out a bit and hit the ground running again and just went yeah I think three years is the killer and I only did 18 months I think once you've done three years you become firmly ensconced both in lifestyle with with soap money and also in you know I think it's hard to give it up but I also think that you um you know you people remember you for that character and I had 18 months where I was in nearly every episode uh, and you know 17 million people watched that Dirty Den one and then I just kept going and then I left and I did Doctor Who and a series called Sorted straight away and was going to the National to work on a Mike Lee thing so in some ways I was very lucky because I picked up where I left off you know I wanted yeah. to go back to being a good jobbing actress and that's what you did. Sort of what did and you sort of made a huge impact in a short amount of time yeah, rather I... than a, a character that was in it for years and years but, but didn't really have that big storyline yeah. you had the great storyline and then left. Yeah, and people still remember her. And I think what was really good about it was, you know, fame, if that's what you want to call it, 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 it 
opened it's opened me up to a place where I can do something like stepping out here at the vaudeville or I could you know write my own projects and people were, were interested but it also meant that I couldn't do mockumentaries like you and I used to do people like yeah. us and things like that it suddenly became harder to do can't pretend to be the anonymous but then it you know it got me involved with things like Toast of London and, and I guess Friday Night Dinner and all, all sorts yeah. of things so that was good so as you said we're sitting in your dressing room and stepping out mm. but this is finishing um, very shortly, yes. probably before this podcast goes out, this, You'll this see show this will have finished. Room is, was full of flowers and, and was cards, it? and I, so I'm, unpack, and now, I'm packing it all up. Now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's getting. I was going to say it's it's almost messy. I yeah. Didn't want to, yeah, I don't think Tracy Ann is maybe the tidiest person. No, no. I'd like to blame it on packing, but it's like this all the time. Yes, I think it, I, I can imagine it <laughs> is. Um, anyway, you are rehearsing mm. at the same time as performing at the moment because you are going to open in Fiddler on the Roof at Chichester. Yes, which is incredibly exciting and was a little surprise to me well, was I'm, it to you I, yes massively i've yeah. never done a mute well i've never done tap dancing before so stepping out was a whole new venture for me okay. and then um and then to be asked to play golder and fiddler on the roof was was great because uh, i've never done a musical before so this is like a whole other new adventure but you can because you sing i looked it up can sabbath I? prayer yes and sunrise sunset two yes. of your songs that you'll and be singing Anna Tefka, yeah and um, do you love me? Yeah, that's and, quite a tradition. And, and and you've sung a lot, but just not on stage, or? Well, I, I, I don't think I've even sung a lot in the no, shower. In the shower, did the Beggars Opera at Stratford years ago, but that was with an ensemble. No, I, I'm not really a singer. Mm. But luckily, I think. <laughs> you see, I always think of Fiddler as as a brilliant play with some great songs. Well, you can let some of the, dare I say, younger cast members maybe do the. <laughs> singing bits yeah. more. Well, there's Are you dancing singers. in it? Are you there's dancing a bit of dancing, it? but I'm not so scared of the dancing anymore having done you've done Stepping, stepping Out. out. So I taught, learned to tap dance in four mm. weeks, which was, was which was a stretch. Um, but Fiddler is such a personal story to me. It's such a, you know, it's my, my great-grandmother's story. She came out of the... Um, the Russian shtetls, the shtetl in the Pale of Settlements, where all the all the Jews in Russia under Tsar Nicholas were were forced to live in one area. They weren't allowed to go into the big cities, otherwise they were arrested and probably killed. Mm. And um, my great grandmother lived in one of those in in the one in Belarus. And my on my dad's side, my mum's side, they lived in a place called Kremenskaya. And um, they. Uh, you know, they lived in these in a village like Anatevka, and there were lots of pogroms going on in 1903. And my great grandmother when she was 14 there were some particularly bad pogroms and they saved the money to send her on a third class passage to London um, to get her out because there was sort of lots of and that's how you ended up yeah you ended up here because I wanted to ask you about your Jewish faith because I I talked to David Badil who calls himself an atheist Jew I think Um, but is is your faith important to you or or you just feel it's important to tell this story well, obviously, it's important to tell this story. Funnily enough, I don't or even know whether it's the faith in Judaism. I think it's identity. Mm. And the traditions that we sing of in Fiddler on the Roof are the things that keep those communities together. So whilst faith is important, and it's important to be spiritual, I guess, and believe in God, it's much more about keeping those traditions that go right the way back to biblical times. So when we're lighting the Sabbath... So it's the family tradition. It's the family and the, fam- and the community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, lighting those candles, saying those words, doing that wedding in exactly the same way as it would have been yeah. back in biblical times. And there's something incredibly moving about that. But also I think Fiddler is is more... You know, it, it is the ultimate Jewish 
um, story because it it actually happened. I always remember my, we used to have to watch it a lot as a kid, and my grandmother in her Yiddish accent would say, "This is not a film. This is you know." She, I think she was trying to say, "This is a documentary. This is, this is, real, this is what yeah. it was like um, with the songs." Um, but I think you know, look at where we're at now. It's so zeitgeisty with immigration and everything that's going on, and it's awful. Yeah. And it, it taps into. I think it just taps into the politics of today. It's, yes. It really and has persecuted society. But people, um, yeah, people yeah. being forced to flee because of religious and political turmoil and yeah. persecution, and not knowing where they're going or where they're going to end up. Yeah. And who are you when you leave your home and you leave your traditions and you leave your communities scattered to the four corners? And also, your children end up having a different experience to you, and they grow away from what you you were. So then, who are you? And who are they? And mm. what's your relationship with them? Now, you've got a, a daughter. Yes, yes. Uh, last I saw, she was a mini-me. I mean, she <laughs> looked exactly like you. Um, yes. She's now a ten-year-old mini-me. Is, yeah. is she a mini-me? Yeah, and, a little bit. Is she? And is she... Uh, would you encourage her to go into theatre? I have so encouraged her, and she's just... <laughs> not interested oh, no, she you're wants to joking. be an architect it's always the other way around so. people always say no I said not but they're very keen no, they're I, really keen I have I, to let them I've tried everything <laughs> I've given her singing lessons I've pushed her down I was like you will because I was always told get on the stage she's, like, she's more of a, a gymnast I'd say Okay. And she wants to be an architect, so good luck oh, to her. Oh, good for her. Yes. Good for her. Well, lots of promise there. Now, I'll ask you a few general musicals. Oh, look, you can hear the tip-tapping yeah. there. That's tip -tap tap dancing. This is people getting ready yeah. for the show, yeah. which is due to start very soon. I know, I my yeah, dinner you, you yet. Might, no, right, we'll be just a few very quick yes. questions about musical theatre. Mm. Uh, are, you, were you, are you a musical theatre fan? Much or? more. When I was younger, no, I didn't understand okay. it. Now I love a musical. I mean, I love any Sondheim. Mm. I love Sondheim. Okay. I love Book of Mormon. So do I. And my fate, I just love it. Love it. And it's like the best of all, it's the best of all worlds. It's just yeah. political and funny and the mm -hmm. best musical. But I, I love, I love all musicals, actually. I really want to see Miranda in Annie. I, I just, I love, I love a musical. So if there was a song that you would love to, like a, you know, a big diva song from a musical, can you think of one? Do you know, weirdly, if I was ever going to do a musical, it was going to be Fiddler on the Roof, because I think the music is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, so just to sing Do You Love Me is amazing. Tradition yeah. makes my hair stand on end. Sunrise, sunset is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm realistic. And I know I'd like to do so. I'd like to be an Assassin's. Okay, that's good my choice. Musical of choice. Good choice. And the number I would like to sing, well, any of the numbers in Assassin's, they're all bloody brilliant. I'd like... Um, let me be worthy of your love, Charlie oh, Darling. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. Love that one. Yeah, love that song from that. I'd like to Little play the, 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 the... Oh, what was his name? The one who's hung, but he's preaching at the same yeah. time. Oh, oh Charles Guiteau, is it? That's what anyway. Yes, it might be. Yes. It might be him. Um, if you could be a character <gasps> rather than play one, right. be a character from musical theatre, who might it be? Well, now you're talking. If I could be a character. Mm. Oh, just hold on. I'm sure you can edit yeah. this massive pause out because <laughs> I take these questions very seriously. Well, I know. We don't want I us to flip and answer. I can't it's even give you one. If I could be a character, I would probably be Oliver. And do you know why? Because he had a really shitty start in life, 
But he ended up, it's, it, he's going to go back yeah. to the wealth. So I think to have had that the horrible experience, or actually he was sweet and yeah. blonde and blue-eyed. I'm sure in the book he wasn't, but then well, he goes no, to back no, to all Mark that Lester Lester was, Mark though. Lester. Mark Lester. I want to be Mark Lester, okay. Oliver. Right. Nobody was going to lay a finger on him, but he ends up back in a really comfy yeah. bed with tons of money looking out <laughs> over Hyde Park. Gorgeous. <laughs> That's a great choice, and for a brilliant reason. So are we hoping that Fiddler on the Roof, because other productions from Chichester have ended up back in London who knows That's look it's, it's so um, the brilliant uh, Daniel Evans's um, first big musical mm. down there as his se- first season as artistic director Les Brotherton is, is designing and it's a brilliant design there's some beautiful singers in it as well you know uh, Chris Jarman's in it as well playing Laser mm-hmm. Wolf he's brilliant Chris from um, Book of Mormon and, um, and Harry Potter amongst others uh uh, who knows? And a lovely place to spend the summer. A really lovely if place we to get spend the summer. Beautiful sunny yes. weather. Well, and you know, I feel place to be. Total privilege to do if my, for my first musical, and yeah. uh, it, it, this is the one. Well, we can't wait to see. I it. can't wait I'm to, see to you. let you have your dinner now Thank before you, you well, before you go on stage. was the musicals and theatre podcast and if you enjoyed that then why not subscribe it's absolutely free to our channel on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts you can also hear me every weekend morning from six till ten on mellow magic